Good morning. This morning we're reading from Isaiah chapter 30, verses 15 through 18 in the English Standard Version. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling, and you said, No, we will flee upon horses. Therefore, you shall flee away. And we will ride upon swift seeds. Therefore, your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you shall flee. Till you are left like a flagstaff on the top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. This is the word of the Lord. I have not uh, had the privilege of preaching in over two months. So I have hours of ideas (laughs) built up ready to be, no, I'm, I'm joking. This won't take hours. Uh, but seriously, thanks for, uh, thanks for affording Becky and I uh, the time uh, away. Uh, speaking of returning from sabbatical, I don't know if, uh, you, you may know this, but if, if you're still learning about the Bible, Sabbath, the word Sabbath, uh, it's not just a heavy metal band from the 70s and 80s. Sabbath actually has to do with rest. It basically means rest, the word Sabbath from the Bible. But what what a lot of people don't appreciate is it's not just a legalistic term describing one day of the week. Sabbath as rest is a way of life. It's a way of living our lives, Sabbath. Uh, One of the books I read this fall and I finished during my own sabbatical was by Mark Buchanan, and it's called The Rest of God. I can't, I can't recommend it enough to you, The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. And he talks about Sabbath from the Bible's perspective as really being about two things. He says Sabbath is about imitation, and it's about freedom. Imitation and freedom. We imitate God in his pattern of creative work. If you look at uh, Exodus chapter 20, where you discover the 10 commandments that God gave the ancient Israelites through Moses, in the fourth commandment, according to Exodus chapter 20, the reason the Israelites were to rest was because God, after six days of creation, stopped. And so in one sense, Mark Buchanan writes, Rest is about imitating God in his creative work. But then if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 5, it's a second reading, a second giving to the ancient Israelites of the Ten Commandments. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Buchanan points out there is a different reason for the fourth commandment, to rest. He points out that in Deuteronomy, Moses reminds them, here's why everything should stop once a week, because you were once slaves in Egypt, and the Lord has set you free. Never enslave yourselves again or the people around you. So we discover as Christians now that Sabbath is a way of life in which we imitate our creator in his creative work, and we rejoice that he has set us free from the guilt and punishment of our sins and from the fear and power 
that death has over humanity, imitation and freedom. So um, Christmas time, you know, ironically, Christmas time, I think, uncovers our difficulty in being able to rest from our labors and from our anxieties. You ever find that Christmas time, the holidays just make you busier and busier and sometimes more anxious? If you think about it, especially nowadays, the merchandise, the advertisements, the music, even, I mean, I love music and I love Christmas Americana music, but it starts so early now. And, and actually even lights, like Christmas lighting, you start seeing in some places as early as October. Even before kids are trick-or-treating, there's Christmas lighting and Christmas music up in certain places. It's almost like, like our, 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 our culture is in a mad rush to be merry at this time of year. And then you get to December and people are frustrated um, and strung out in their merrymaking. And now add on top of that this lingering, evolving virus. And, and pandemic that just won't go away. Ask yourself, are you tired now? You know, are you strung out? Are you, are you anxious or frustrated? Let me use another word. Are you weary? If you're any one of those things, um, I want to encourage you, I, I, I can relate during, during this past sabbatical period of mine, I've dis- I discovered through prayer and meditation and some counseling and conversations with, with Becky and with close friends and, and with people that I trust and respect, I discovered that my lack of rest was not simply physical. My lack of rest was mental. It was emotional. It was relational. Forget my body, my mind could not rest, I discovered. You even know what that's like. You go on vacation and you're, you don't even feel like you're on vacation for like two or three days. And by the time you finally feel relaxed, you're, you're driving home again, right? My, that's not my, that's, that, I discovered that really wasn't my body. That, my mind could not be at rest. And so if you're anxious, if you're frustrated, if you're weary, I want you to hear these words again, but, but I'm going to sing them to you. It's important that we listen. And ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow, Look now for glad and golden hours Come swiftly on the wing Oh, rest beside the weary road And hear the angels sing Edmund Sears, pastor, 1850 Oh, rest beside the weary road. That's what I want to talk about today, that little phrase in that Christmas carol. I like to meditate on Christmas carols this time of year. Rest for the weary. Will we rest? Will you receive God's gift of rest? It is one of the most precious gifts that he offers to us. Will you receive it?
Today, I want to talk to you about the meaning of rest. And, and I also want to talk to you about how to practice it, how we practice the type of rest that only God gives. And then finally, we're going to discover that practicing the rest that God offers, it actually gives us hope in this life, in a weary world. It gives us hope. So we're going to talk about the meaning of rest, the practice of rest, and the hope that God's rest provides us. The meaning of rest, according to the Bible, according to Christianity, is this. You ready? Rest is cultivating godly dependence. Cultivating a dependence on God. Advent season is literally glittered with references from the book of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah and his prophecies about a coming Messiah are in Christmas carols, uh, worship services. It's about 700 BC and the powerful rising Assyrian empire is a major threat directly east and north of Judah. And so the, the trend amongst the leadership and the elite and the politicians, the trend at that time in Judah was a proposal uh, that encouraged uh, the people to go down to uh, Egypt and make an alliance with Egypt, a major power just to the south. Okay, so, so you might think, well, that just sounds like good politics. That just sounds like good foreign policy, right? You're this tiny nation squeezed in between world powers, so go and make an alliance with one of them. But God tells them through Isaiah here, no, that, that's not smart, that's stupid. It's foolish, God says. Not because it was an irrational idea to make an alliance with Egypt, um, but because it was a faithless decision. It was an idea based in fear, not simply because Egypt, although it was a world power, couldn't stand up to Assyria. They were no match at that time for the Assyrians. God is saying, you, went and, you, you want to go and do this and make an alliance with Egypt without consulting with me first. He calls them in verse one of this chapter, stubborn children, because they go to form an alliance with Egypt before asking his counsel first. And now God gives them his counsel to his small little nation facing imminent annihilation. And he says to them through Isaiah, and you see it in verse 15, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. Not in this alliance with Egypt. I know you want to do that. You're rushing to do that. But I'm telling you, if you want to be saved from the Assyrians, you need to return to me and you need to rest. You need to be quiet and you need to trust. Now, the Hebrew word in that verse for rest, it meant patience. It meant calm. It meant quietness, right? Can you imagine that? How can people be patient and calm and quiet when the Assyrians are coming after them. Imagine in the late 1930s telling the Dutch and the French to just keep quiet and be still, even though the Nazis were coming. That's, God is telling them, I know the Assyrians are coming. I know the Ninevites are coming, but you need to stop and be quiet and be patient and trust me. How is that possible? 
How can people facing that type of power and that type of fear simply stop and be quiet? Well, they already had the answer in their own history. Their amazing history of liberation when they were slaves in Egypt centuries before, and they were being pursued by the Egyptians to the Red Sea, and they said to Moses, seriously, like you, you rescued us from slavery to die here in the wilderness? And Moses said to them, the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Letting God be God is the essence of Sabbath rest. His book, again, The Rest of God, Mark Buchanan wrote, the Exodus command uh, that, that, we, uh, that we rest because God rested with its call to imitation plays on a hidden irony. We mimic God in order to remember we're not God. In fact, that's a good definition of Sabbath imitating God so that we stop trying to be God. The meaning of rest from the Bible's perspective is to cultivate godly dependence, relying consistently on him in a crushing world that leaves you feeling weary. Now, you might be thinking at this point, hold on, Brian, because we've spent months at home over the last two years, right? We were ordered to stay at home. We couldn't go to the grocery store. We couldn't go to the gym. We couldn't go see our family and friends. We've been sitting around for almost two years. We don't need more rest. Hold on a second. The practice of rest is as much a mental thing as it is a physical thing and a chronological thing. Rest is more than I need a few hours or a week off. Rest is more than my body needs to relax and sleep. Rest is perhaps mostly mental. Just because you can't go to the grocery store or the gym for a month does not mean you're at rest. Just because you're off from work or laid off from work or don't have a job doesn't mean you're resting, right? Just because you are lying in bed in the dark in the middle of the night does not mean that you are at rest. You know what I'm talking about? Rest has to do with trust. How else can you fall asleep and leave the spinning of the earth on its access to somebody else, right? How else can you fall asleep and expect your loved ones and your assets to be okay while you go dark for seven or eight hours? Unless fundamentally at some level you are trusting in something, in somebody's capacity to manage things while you're out of it. Rest has to do with trust. How else could God require his sons and daughters to be patient and calm and quiet in the face of real danger and distress? So my encouragement for you today and for this week and maybe for this Advent season is begin to practice God's rest, not the rest 
the world, not what the world tells you is rest, not what you've discovered rest to be based on how you watched your parents uh, deal with uh, rest growing up. God's rest. Practice God's rest and delight in it. Practice the rest of God and learn to delight in trusting in him in that rest. In order to learn how to delight in trusting God, you have to try. You have to try. You have to practice and obey the concept to take rest seriously as a creature of God. And here's how. It's like we've got a few minutes, right? So we, we can't read a book right now and, and we can't get into uh, various conversations, although I'd love to, let's get together. And I could recommend other reading. At least read Mark Buchanan's book. But Here's just a few things, three simple things about rest for for today's purposes. One, if you can't sleep, if you cannot sleep, I mean in the middle of the night, it'd be nice to have a nap, but that, uh, that doesn't count. If you cannot sleep at night, use your awakeness well. Find a place, a quiet place in your apartment or in your house where you're not going to bother somebody else and just in silence, read the Psalms. Open a Bible, read some of the Psalms and then just start to pray. Let the Psalms pray. They're mostly prayers. Let the Psalms pray for you. Use your awakeness well. Read the Psalms and pray the Psalms and then you will discover that God begins to enter into that space of sleeplessness with you, and then he begins to direct your time when you are stuck awake. Give him control of your sleeplessness. Two, here's another thought. When you are angry and frustrated with someone or about something, stop and give thanks. Find something about that person or find something about that situation that's frustrating you and give thanks for it. When you're ready to, when you discover that you are angry and frustrated, stop in that moment and find a way to give thanks. Three, and maybe the most important, definitely the most important, periodically just stop periodically just stop working. Whatever work means to you, right? So that, that could be different from every, for everybody in a different situation, but periodically just stop your labors. Whether it's one day in a week or whether it's uh, one moment every day or whether it's a season of time every year, at some point, just Stop. Don't always, be, don't always be studying. Don't always be helping somebody else. That sounds terrible. Don't always be helping someone. Don't always be plugged in. Don't always be online. Don't always be on call. We have to stop. We have to get into the habit, the practice of stopping, or you will never be able to practice God's type of rest. And if you don't practice it, you will never learn to let God be God. Naturally, we don't want that kind of rest. By when I when I mean naturally, I mean by nature. 
what we spiritually, morally inherit from Adam and Eve, from being human. Naturally, we do not want that rest, God's rest. And don't get me wrong, I I know it. We want sleep. (laughs) We're desperate for sleep, especially if, 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 you are a young parent or if you are ill and, and you are struggling to sleep, you are desperate for sleep at every stage of life. We want sleep, we want relaxation, we want vacation, right? And, and, and those are good things. And we want the best things as well. We want peace. We want prosperity. Shalom. We want fullness and goodness. We want justice. And we want vindication, right? When we're spoken about unfairly or when we're treated unjustly. We want good things like this and we want safety for our loved ones and for ourselves and we want to live in a safe society. But we don't want rest. It is sin. It is rebellion to refuse God's rest. You cannot, you cannot, it's a gift. It's a gift Israelites, they didn't do anything to deserve one day. They didn't deserve anything for that pattern of saying, I've got this, you stop. You stop. I've got this. It's a gift. You can't work for that type of rest. You do have to receive it. Um, God said through Isaiah, you know, I offered you rest. And then Isaiah said to them, but you are unwilling. God, God, oh, you know, the Assyrians are coming and God offered you rest. He offered you rest. Egypt's not gonna help you. And he offered you rest. And then Isaiah said, but you were unwilling. And you said, no, we will flee upon horses. That's what we need. It's like saying, oh Lord, (laughs) I've got better ideas than you. I know what I need. I know what we need. I need money, God. I need a job. We need better politicians. I need everybody around me to behave. I know what I need, Father. Right? And so they say, we'll flee on fast horses. And then what is God's response? He says, therefore, your pursuers will be swift. You see that? You're going to flee on horses, and their horses are going to be faster than yours. He's he's saying, you know, your own solutions without me will compound your problems, right? Your, your, Your alternative solutions to the rest of God will actually make your situation worse. Like a kid who keeps licking his lips because they're chapped for relief. You know, I mean, this was me like every winter growing up. You lick your lip, they're chapped, and you're licking them, and you're licking them, and you're licking them, and then what? You look like Bozo the Clown, and, and your, your mouth is on fire, right? Like, this happened to me constantly as a kid. You're, 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 you're chapped, you're looking for relief, and, and you're just, you know, you're licking your lips, you're licking your lips, oh, that feels better, that feels better, and then you're like screaming because your mouth is in pain, and you look ridiculous, like somebody stuck a plunger on your face. But, and I'm being silly, but, but what did he call them in verse one? Stubborn children. You refuse, I offer you my rest and you refuse my rest. You're stubborn children who compound their problems by seeking out their own solutions when I offer them 
rest. What did he say in Psalm, Psalm uh, uh, 127, right? In vain you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil when he gives to his loved ones sleep. I have learned, I have learned that my own restlessness and discontentment and even my drive to do better and to do more really in many ways is a subconscious cover for avoiding God in my pain and avoiding his perfect peace when I want my own solutions to fixing my situation. And if you avoid this God, he will let you. He may let you avoid him, but I promise you, you will never know rest. But practicing his rest will give you what a weary world does not have and can never offer you, hope. Hope in Christianity is not about wishful thinking. Hope is, it is assurance. Hope is, in Christianity, hope is certainty that God will make things right in his time based in his wisdom, not your own, as our brother Dejan talked about last week. Practicing rest produces in us hope. Hope in a God who says, and look at this in verse 18, Isaiah changes his tone, right? He finishes, he's rebuking them for refusing God's rest, and then he says to them, therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And I find that so interesting because God's telling them, you need to stop. You need to wait. You need to be silent and calm and wait on me. You need to rest, but, but they, they won't, right? And so then God says, okay, I'm going to wait. You won't wait. I'm going to wait. When you're done trying your little things and seeking out your own alternative measures, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And I will bless you. I'm going to wait to bless you since you won't take it now. Is there any greater hope than a God who waits to forgive us? Is there any greater hope than a God waiting to bless us while we refuse his blessings? You know? How many times have people taken an opportunity away from you because you weren't wise enough to take advantage of it when they offered it to you and then you discovered it was too late? You know? But God waits to be gracious to us. In this life, don't wait until you're gone. Don't wait. Don't wait until you die. But in this life, even in our rebellion and distrust and refusal to stop and let God be God, he graciously waits to bless us. And God waited, and God waited, and God waited. And then at the end of our passage, it says, blessed are all who wait for him. And if you keep reading beyond the passage to verse 20, this amazing thing happens. Isaiah says, your teacher will not hide himself anymore but your eyes shall see your teacher, right? 
God is waiting to be gracious for you and he's coming and you're gonna see him. And God waited and God waited and God waited for centuries and centuries. And that is why I love Advent season. For the same reason that I'm a Christian and that I encourage you to become a Christian or that I encourage you to stick with Jesus if you're doubting him and if you're getting discouraged as you follow him. Advent, Adventus, Latin for coming. Advent is about waiting for Jesus to come. God waited and he waited and he sent his people, his son, this little baby born to a common, working, out-of-the-way family. God waited and he blessed them with Jesus. Christianity means waiting. It's a life of waiting in hope that Jesus is coming back. We don't wait in vain. We wait for him. We're waiting for the Son of God to return to kill our chaos, to still our anxieties, and to usher us into his rest. Jesus said, as an adult, that little baby grew up to be an adult, and he said, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Stop going to Egypt. What's your Egypt? Come to me, and I will give you rest. The teacher says, learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. And I promise you, however sick you are, however tired you are, however frustrated you are, the foundation of healing is rest for your soul. God waited to bless you, and he sent you Jesus. Now you wait for him. Today, what are you dealing with? What are you going through? Wait for him. Yeah, you got to work hard. Yeah, you got to study. Yeah, you got to do your research. Yeah, you got to do the right thing. Rest is not laziness. It's not laziness. It's not sloth. It's not cheating. Rest is waiting on God for the best solution. So now you wait for him. He waited for you and sent you his son in the right time. Now you wait for him with whatever is stressing you out and exhausting you right now. That's rest. Practicing stillness in your adversity. And that rest is maybe one of the best gifts God offers us. So this Christmas season, let's let's commit ourselves to receiving that gift and not leaving it under the tree unwrapped and not re-gifting it next year in a white elephant gift exchange, but taking it and opening it up and cherishing it and practicing the rest of God, cultivating a life of depending on him and practicing that type of rest helps us to live in hope. Let's sing this last phrase of this last stanza of the carol together. Let's close with this. For lo, the days are hastening on by prophets seen of old. When with the ever-circling years shall come the time foretold, 
When the new heaven and earth shall own the Prince of Peace, their King, and the whole world win back the song which now the angels sing. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we confess our wound up minds. We confess our fears, our anxieties, our frustrations and anger. We confess so often the root of our problems is an unwillingness to trust you and a way and a desire to find our own way, to study harder, to speak louder, to persuade more effectively, to make more money, to work longer. Father, not throwing all of those things away, we recognize that what we need most is you. Forgive us for being so busy, we have written you out of the narrative of our lives. Father, help us to see ourselves in your grand story. Thank you for waiting for us, Lord Jesus. Thank you that in the fullness of time, in the rightness of time, you came to save us from our sin. Now we wait for you. We wait for you to come back so that we will sing like the angels did 2,000 years ago when we see you in your terror and in your glory and in your everlasting love for those of us you have forgiven. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Amen.